I know exactly what you're talking about. We figured that we it took us like a good like 10, 15 minutes. We're like, well, it says like, you know, the the roads have like a chartreuse or whatever, you know, pattern on the side. <laughs> and like the the paths don't have that. And we, we had to look and like, well, what is this one? And what is that one? And, you know, the worst okay, part yeah. is like trying Just to figure out what's get... adjacent to something else. I'm like, what? This is the uh, Chance of Gaming podcast, and we have a nice little supplemental uh, episode. With us is Jerry Hawthorne from uh, Plat Hat Games. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Now, um, we know you mostly from uh, Mice and Mystics, I think. I think yeah. I know you mostly from Stuffed Fables. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And then I was... Uh, I realized just a little bit ago that you have a new game out called Comanauts. That's right. It should be hitting store shelves. Uh, the release date is uh, January 31st, although there's been a few copies that have showed up on store shelves by accident. So well, it is kind of out there a little bit. I, don't, I hope I'm not getting anyone in trouble, but it is already on the shelves at Miniature Market. I can tell you that. Well, it's okay. <laughs> is, now, is that a problem when things come out ahead of the, the scheduled release I don't. Uh, yeah, I think it is a little bit because, um, you know, we try to uh, we try to choreograph sort of a little bit of hype to uh, to, you know, get people interested in it prior to them putting it on the store shelves so that, um, you know, so that they, it, it helps with sales and it helps support the, the retailers and whatnot. Uh, okay. So when and it's not the retailer's fault that they receive the game. Um, it's 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 a fault somewhere in the warehouses where they they uh, they originally wanted to release it at the beginning of January and then the marketing team said no we need a little bit more time to get a little bit more marketing behind it so let's do it on the 31st and that apparently didn't you know completely uh, get passed along so it yeah, it got a few copies out there ah okay now how long has this game been in development um well. Off and on for about three years, I guess. Off and on, I uh, um, I had the idea. I actually got the idea um, years ago when I was uh, when I was in my <laughs> no no actually uh, uh, was uh, I had I had a client of mine who was a, uh, a, a clinical psychologist, a fairly well uh, well established one. And I was talking to him one day, and um, he was telling me I he, we were talking about. Um, I thought it was really funny that, like, the, the the term that people say, you know, when they they say, oh, I surprised myself. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I surprised myself. I'm like, and I, I thought, how in the heck does somebody surprise themselves? And, um, and then it happened to me. I was uh, with my wife, and she said something that made me mad, and I immediately snapped at her, and it dawned on me that I had snapped at her before I had actually thought about my words and chose my words carefully. And I surprised myself. And then I was, I was shocked. So I, I was talking to my friend who was a psychologist. And I said, 
I said, you know, I experienced it and it was interesting, you know, and I said, how can that happen? Aren't we like, you know, aren't we aware of all of our actions? And he said, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. And then he started to tell me about how our psyche works. And one of the interesting things about our psyche is that we aren't totally in control. We think we're in control. But we aren't totally in control. And what your psyche does is it... Uh, it has a different aspect of yourself for every different kind of occasion. The thing of it is like a little outfit that it'll put on for all these different occasions. And so sometimes when uh, information, you receive information quickly and you get uh, an emotional response, your brain will release chemicals into your body and you'll switch to a different personality before you actually have a chance to cognitively think about it. You know what I'm saying? I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, it's it's heady, heady stuff you're, you're yeah, talking well, about. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm getting somewhere with it. So anyways, uh-huh. um, it, it led us into this conversation about how the psyche works. And what he was telling me is that, you know, you, uh, you know if, a, if a psyche is uh, working, is malfunctioning, then these different portions of yourself, these different aspects of yourself can become splintered. And that's how you get uh, things like um, schizophrenia, where you have multiple personality disorder. Those are literally just... Those those different versions of yourself, but taken to an unhealthy extreme within your within your psyche in a, in a broken psyche. But he mentioned something to me that I thought was really fascinating. He said that if you uh, if you have trauma that happens in your life, it'll create sort of a sort of a scar on your in your memory that it won't get timestamped. So in other words, it won't get filed away with the rest of your memories. It'll always feel fresh. And if you try to repress it, he said, it's the same thing as trying to put a, a mob kingpin in jail. And, uh, and yet he's still from jail. He's still running his organization. So and now he's untouchable. You put him in jail and there's nothing more you can do to him. But he's still just as effective as he was before, if not more effective. Mm-hmm. And that singular idea, because he called him a mob boss. He's like, you put a mob boss, you know, if you, if you try to repress these these uh, portions of your of your memory that are that are broken if you try to repress those then they become like a mob boss well when he said that to me being a game designer i immediately was like wow that's really cool like there could be bosses inside of you that are just different they're created by different bad things that happen to you in life and then and then i started thinking about video games and taking on bosses and stuff like that or whatever we do in gaming you know when you fight the big boss and stuff and I started to formulate this idea that wouldn't it be cool if you could get together with your friends and you could go inside your mind and fight these bosses and <laughs> defeat them, you know? And so that's where the genesis of the game came from. I'm sorry uh, that it, it it was like a long explanation, but um, no, that's, that's, that's fascinating. But um, so this is I, I haven't played this game. I, like I said, I saw it on the shelf, um, but I have played stuffed fables. Can and I explain what Comanche is? Yeah, yes, let's do that, because the three of us, I think, know, but let's let's explain it for the rest of the audience, and then I'll go on with my question. Exactly, because I'm like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm talking about, like, the genesis of the idea, but I, don't, I haven't really established what the game is about for anybody who may be listening, but basically what it is, there's this genius who's created this device that would provide an unending amount of clean energy enough to power the world, but uh, on the inaugural day of uh, turning on his device... Um, it horribly malfunctions, and he gets zapped with some weird dark energy, and he ends up in a coma, and his machine is gradually melting down. And they discover that in, at the at the center of a machine of, of his machine is this uh, like a singularity that's being held in a stasis, and if his machine melts down, then it'll destroy life as we know it. So 
the scientists come up with this uh, this desperate plan to uh, basically send people's consciousness into his into his consciousness uh, inside of his coma to try to interact with him and either find out how to shut the machine down or or hopefully maybe even bring him out of his coma so that he could finish his life's work. So as a player, it's, it's a cooperative game, and um, what you do is you're just literally, uh, you know, browsing around inside of his memories or in his ma- imagination and stuff, and you're trying to have interactions with his inner child to gain clues as to which one of his own inner demons uh, is holding him hostage, which which boss is holding him hostage with, inside of his own mind. And then you go and you do battle with that boss and try to uh, release him from his coma. I'm, so I'm is it a game? Is it a game where you could play one time and play against one boss and another time against another boss? And do you know ahead of time or does it okay, so uh, is it a, a card that you draw or something like that? Yeah, it's kind of like a, what you do is there's a setup at the beginning of every time you play a game session. There's a setup where you uh, you you have a certain number of bosses that are going to be in play during that game. You may or may not encounter them, but one of them is taken secretly out and put at the bottom of this deck of clues that match that boss. And those clues are what you're really searching for in the game to find out which, which boss is at the bottom of the deck. Okay. And when you, when you encounter the inner child, uh, if you have a successful encounter with the inner child, you'll get a clue and then you'll read it. It's a little bit of fiction that you'll read to your fellow players. And it'll be either be like a vision or, uh, or a weird, strange occurrence. And you'll read it to your fellow players and the, the, the little the little vision that you get will be thematically linked to whatever uh, traumatic scar is holding him back in life. So, for instance, if it's grief that's holding him back in life, that's holding him hostage, right? If it's grief, then then those little clues will somewhat clue you into that it's grief that's holding him back. But all the little clues are also uh, designed to teach people how these things sort of intersect in your in your psyche. For instance, I'll give you an example, like. Um, what is the difference the, technically what's the difference between guilt and shame they're very similar and so it can be kind of tricky when you're playing the game to discern you know okay is this is this thing this vision that I'm having is this being caused by shame or is it become caused by guilt or is it resentment and you you have a finite number that you that you can choose from of, of, uh, of bosses and then p- through process of elimination throughout the game you're you're solving these clues and you're figuring out where to go and then you got to go there and, and do battle and, wow. and there's like 11 different bosses that come with the game and each of them has their own what i call coma zones which is areas of of his psyche that are thematically linked to the events that happened that caused that boss to form and they're thematically linked in other ways as well and so every different coma zone is like a different thematic experience uh, so like you know, you could you could be dealing with stuff that he dealt with when he was a child, but you're experiencing it through a cartoon that he that he enjoyed. So now you're in a cartoon. You're a cartoon character, um, and there's the game comes with 22 different avatars, and there's two avatars for every coma zone. But you you uh, you get dealt you get to pick one, but you get dealt two randomly, and so. You're you're going to be changing avatars during the game, but you're, there's going to be a random element to it. So you might end up being a superhero, but you're in the video game world, which isn't so bad. Uh, but if you if you're the, a video game character and you end up in the, one of his real world locations, like you know Washington D.C. or something like that, then you won't 
fit in very well and his psyche will start to notice that you're not fitting in and his psyche works like a white blood cell response and it starts to turn the environment against you so it becomes pretty dangerous for your avatar so this sounds really trippy it is pretty yeah trippy. yeah and it's <laughs> Now, so you, your friend uh, is a clinical psychologist. Uh, when you're developing the game, did you uh, consult other, like, um, psychologists of other sorts? or? Yeah, yeah. We, um, in an informal way, um, we, we didn't hire any consultants or anything for this. Okay. Uh, the game, I mean, is, is loosely based on how the psyche works. Obviously, it's an adventure game with lots of action and lots of adventure in it and stuff. And to be honest with you, the psychologists, um, they, they recommend that you sort of learn to accept your, you, these mob bosses that you have inside you. You learn to overcome them through accepting them. Um, in my game, you go and you beat them up. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, it, uh, so it, it's, probably not, uh, it, it's probably not the most accurate model of, of the way the human psyche works. But it is uh, very, very much inspired by, you know, my little my interest and my side hobby of reading psychology books and stuff like that. OK, so when you when you came up with the idea for this game, where was stuff at this time? Did you think this would fit good well into that system or was stuffed fables? How, how did those come out not together? Because obviously they came out at different times, but that system, that adventure book system. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the way that all happened is I started trying to build a game around Comanauts, um, uh, uh, my original idea. And um, I was struggling with trying to uh, convey the, the the action and the pace of the game. Um, I, I was struggling to come up with a system and I had gone through um, – you know, several iterations of the system, and I wasn't pleased with the way it was working. And then I had some some of my own tragedies in my family happened. Um, some I had several deaths in my family that happened, like one right after another, and um, it caused me to really not want to work on uh, Comanites because the subject matter was a little too close to home. Um, so I shelved it, and um, and then um, and then. I watched that movie Inside Out. Have you guys seen the movie Inside Out? Oh, yeah. Pixar? Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I saw that movie Inside Out, and it was so, so, such a life-changing movie for me because of how, how brilliant the movie is and how colorful it is. And I loved how they modeled the human psyche using color. And um, I loved how they did this wonderful treatment of how uh, the, inner, the, the human psyche works, you know how important sadness is and how, you know, joy tried to, you know, command too much of the attention and push sadness off to the side and not give sadness. Just like, um, kind of like, you know, my whole mob boss idea of like anything you try mm -hmm. to repress, actually, you actually cause problems. And so I loved how they did it in inside out. And I started thinking about and what they did with inside out is they, they triggered this inspiration inside of my mind that was color linked. And so, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you had like these little dice and they're all different colors, but each color of the dice was uh, connected to a different emotion or uh, action or something like that. And I started formulating um, the mechanics of stuff fables based upon this little dice system. And I still did wasn't ready to deal with the uh, the more um, 
heavy subject matter, maybe of like uh, of commandants where you're dealing with grief and 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 shame and and guilt and all this stuff. Um, I just came up with this story idea in my head about these little stuffed animals that each represent like different aspects of this little girl's personality, and that you know uh, the whole experience could be uh, more heartwarming and more sentimental. And um, it really resonated with me, and it really matched the mechanics of the little di colored dice, and everything was so you know, perfectly color coordinated that it was just a nice fit. And those mechanics, um, I, as I was working through making stuff fables, uh, I created the adventure book system as well. And so I, uh, the idea is that, um, you could do, you could do any kind of adventure in an adventure book. Um, and so, uh, with Comanauts, I use the same system with Comanauts to kind of show, okay, this is a completely different, I mean, it's a completely different experience, completely different take on the same kind of game played in an adventure book. And it's those are the first two games in a in a series of uh, adventure book games that we're doing. Aha. So you you are planning on coming out with a third and fourth one then? I'm actually working on a third adventure book game right now. OK. Um, I won't be able to talk about it, unfortunately. <laughs> but, can, uh, can you speak in generalities? I mean, is it... Uh... I can speak in generalities, yeah. Okay. Uh, like, uh, the, is it uh, set in the real world, or is it a kind of a uh, more of a fantasy setting, like uh, stuffed fables or or comanots? Um, it's set in the real world. Okay. But but it's not. It's 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 science fiction. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and um, it's got more of a sandbox kind of quality to it, rather mm -hmm. than being uh, stuffed fables is sort of a linear story. And Comanauts is sort of um, it's sort of uh, uh, an ex exploration of, of the human psyche. There's areas of Comanauts that you're going to be experiencing uh, multiple times with different avatars and different you know different knobs being twisted and stuff. But mm -hmm. um, the more you play Comanauts, the more you sort of discover this one person's life. But with this new game that I'm coming out with next year, it's or this year, I guess, um, it's more of a sandboxy kind of thing where you have this world and you can go explore it, and um, your your exploring of it will generate more uh, content, and then you'll continue to explore, and that'll generate more content, and like that. Oh, so is this uh, will this be coming out in uh, quarter four of this year? Well, it's supposed to, but every time, every time I have a quarter four game, it seems to slip into January. So I don't know. We'll, we'll <laughs> okay. see. All right. We'll see because I, I was, you know, coming out supposed to come out in 2018 and end up January 2019. Stuff Fables is supposed to be 2017 and end up January of 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. Okay. It'll be done, I guess, when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm always I always get my stuff done on time, so <laughs> not me. Don't look at me. But yeah, I'm like, it's got a big old uh, adventure book with it. It's already written and everything, and we're you know play testing, and it's pretty cool. I'm really proud of it. It's gonna have miniatures. I'll say that. So do Is all it? three of the games have the same uh, spiral bound basic book like Stuff Fables does? Yes. Okay. Yes, they, 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 that's the that's the the thing that links all of them together. Okay. Is there uh, there will be some DNA shared among the mechanics so that when you played one, you can quickly easily pick up and play 
another one of them. Um, but with enough things changed and enough things different that it's also a new experience as well. The way you work your the, the way you work the book and and things will be different. Okay. Now, this one uh, this one's not going to be dice driven either, so it's going to have a little bit of a different shape to it. What you're developing right now. Yeah. Okay. Now, was the uh, the spy, doing the spiral bound aspect of it was that challenging from a manufacturing point of view, or just uh, it's probably something different than uh, Plaid Hat Games had done before, right? Yeah, uh, the way it happened is when I was working on Stuff Fables, I had originally planned on having one book be the storybook and the other book be um, the environments that you played through. So you would have two books and you would lay them out on the table or you would lay one out on the table and the other one you could pass around or whatever. I presented the idea to my studio manager and he's like, well, it'd be really cool if you could just take and blend those two together and put them all in one book. And I'm like, you can't do that. I was like, yeah, you can. You just put the you put the map on this side, and you put all the information you need for the map on the other side. I was like, yeah, but then you're uh, then you're confined to this, you know, this certain space and certain word count. He's like, yeah, well, that's a good thing in my opinion. <laughs> so he challenged me basically, and I decided to take on that challenge, and that's how we came up with the adventure book. So I have the storybook here in front of me, and I love the talking points at the end that uh, kind of the conversation starters. Yes. Or conversation enders, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Those came uh, about... Uh, oh, yeah? As a parent, um, one thing that we used to do is we would do these uh, candlelight... Uh, we would do candlelight Sundays, where on um, the first Sunday of every month, um, we would turn off all the lights and light candles all over the place, and, and we would ban electronic devices, and we would um, have a dinner... And then I would pull out this, uh, I bought these little box of questions that you can, they're like, a, it's like a little game, only there's no real rules to it. You just read a question and then everybody answers it. And you discover more about yourselves by answering questions that weren't, that you didn't, they weren't primed. They just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and my family, we just loved it. I mean, that you learn more about uh, each other, even in my, even in within a, a household, you can learn more about your kids by asking them questions that you wouldn't think to ask them. And in that environment, it seemed to work really well. And I thought, wouldn't that be cool if in stuff fables, if, you know, we could just throw in a few little uh, points of discussion at the end in case people want to discuss the experience with their, that they've just had with their friends or family and to just see if it generates any kind of uh, interesting conversations. Sorry. I'm, I'm a little speechless here. I'm looking at the talking <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The whole thing is based on a fable. In fact, the entire story is like a big, giant fable. And then each of the chapters is its own mini fable. And then, like, you can discuss these fables. And fables are basically, you know, they're an ancient form of storytelling that we used to teach young people um, different moral lessons. And they usually involve talking animals. In my case, I use talking stuffed animals. But it's pretty cool. Now, you kind of have a history of, of doing miniatures like from uh mice and mystics tail feathers uh stuffed fables what made you not do miniatures for comanauts well it's a budget uh reason i mean I, there's 11 bosses there's 30 some odd different enemies there's 22 different playable characters um that's just too many sculpts too many miniatures the game would be 200 bucks adam would pay it 
<laughs> maybe. maybe. Well, uh, I do know, like, uh, I think Folklore the Affliction uh, was one game that decided to do their miniatures as a second set. And yeah, you're right. Literally, the miniature set for the game cost exactly as much as the uh, the board game yeah. cost for it. And so... Uh, you can do that sometimes, but yeah, I just love the absolutely love the mice and mystics and uh, tail feathers miniatures. In fact, I want to um, put them over uh, into um, Osprey Games has a, uh, a a little anthropomorphic uh, fantasy game miniature game kind of mm-hmm. skirmish game called um, Burrows and Badgers. Mm-hmm. I want to bring that over into those. I'm actually working on getting mine painted to do oh, that. Cool. Because, yeah, it's just neat. Yeah, the minis are really well done. They look good. My daughter loves painting them. Between Stuffed Fables and My Little Scythe, she always has something to paint when I'm painting my Star Wars Legion minis. So we sit down together and and do them together. And she has so much fun painting them. She's nine years old, and she just loves it. So I also have a nine-year-old, and she loves to take – well, both My Simistics and Stuffed Fables and do what she calls free play. She – so she doesn't even play the game. She just gets the figures out and and pushes mm-hmm. them around and makes up little stories and everything. So yeah, that's cool. My yeah. son, my son used to do the same thing. How yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a miniatures guy. I love miniatures. Um, I, I paint miniatures. I even uh, wrote a little painting guide for the mice and mystics back in the day. Um, before before my mice and mystics. Uh, I was uh, I worked on HeroScape. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. I am. Um, so is that the Hex version? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it was just, Yeah, it was a super cool idea. Um, uh, at that time, I, I had gotten into miniature gaming, and I was completely uh, kind of like I am now, just disgusted with uh, painting figures. I don't want to do it, or you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and so I'm walking, you know, down the aisle of Toys R Us, and like, oh my gosh, here's this, you know, here it is. It's a hex game, and it's it's it comes with a ton ton of stuff in it, and there's all these expansions, and it's all it's pre-painted. So yeah, I loved it. I was yeah, I was absolutely going to ask you about that, how you got involved with that, because I, I see it on your uh, board game geek listing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was actually really involved in it. Um, I, uh, I, I, it was sort of by accident. Um, I, I found a website before the game was even released. I was looking for Christmas presents. I always give board games Christmas pre- presents. I was looking for Christmas presents for my nephews, and I went to the New York City Toy Fair. It was in like the spring of two thousand four, I think. And um, I was at, I was looking at the web uh, the web photos of uh, the New York City Toy Fair and I saw this game and they said it was going to be released that summer called HeroScape and so um, I wanted more information but there was no information out there to be had so I just did a weekly little, uh, this is before Google I just did like a weekly little search of some kind and um, one day, just out of nowhere one day a website popped up and so I was like whoa! And I went to the website and see this is back before social media which it's not that long ago, but social media is a really, really recent thing. Um, so every website for every game had its own little forum. And so you would belong to a bunch of different forums if you wanted to discuss different games and stuff. And so um, this this fan website was actually put together by a friend of, uh, of a couple of the designers of HeroScape. 
And uh, he was like practicing his web skills and he was a friend of theirs and wanted to help, you know, promote their game and stuff. And they felt that like it was going to be a hit. So he wanted to be at the ground floor of, uh, of that. And uh, I was one of the first, I don't know, five people to, to join their little web forum there. And one of the guys is the guy that owned the website. And two others were the designers of the game, Rob Davio and Craig Van Ness. And, uh, and then there was me and then, and then another guy named Chris. And we all just kind of struck up a friendship before the game was actually released. And when it was, you know, I, uh, I was super impressed, played it with my, uh, played it with my nephews and Craig had asked me to email him, um, and let, let him know what, what they thought about the experience. And I sent him this really long email in depth, uh, describing the reaction to the game. And he just asked me if I wanted to be a playtester, that they felt like the game was going to be a hit and they had a lot of content that they needed to work through the system. And so uh, I just immediately jumped in and just started becoming really active as a playtester right from the get-go and uh, eventually ended up getting uh, freelance work uh, as the game became more popular and they had, uh, you know, they had to meet the demand. So yeah, that's basically how it happened. I just uh, sort of stumbled into it, and um, then when the when Wizards of the Coast did the D and D version, um, they hired us to uh, to design the content for that and and the adventures that, that were included in that. And one thing led to another, and um, a friend of mine that um, that also did worked on HeroScape, the Colby Dowk, he started Plaid Hat Games, and um, and then published My Mice and Mystics. It's my first game. That's cool that it just it led all the way to to that and now all the way to uh, Comanauts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually work full time now for Plat Hat Games or Asmoding uh, North America. What they, so, they your... say? I'm, I'm sorry. Ninety percent of uh, success is just showing up. <laughs> That's kind of what you did. <laughs> I I always say that it's like. I said yes when my instincts told me to say no, and so it led. I kept saying yes and kept saying yes, you know. And sometimes it was a lot of work in addition to working a full-time job. A lot of times I was, you know, burning the midnight oil and working seven days a week. But it was all just a process of saying yes to things and and then figuring out how to make make it work. So, what was yeah. your previous day job? I was a hairstylist. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I was you know, cutting hair and, uh, super, super busy because I was very, very well established and very well known in my area and, um, you know, making a great income and just being a husband and dad. And that's uh, one of the, that's one of the questions I love to ask people because you see game designers come from so many walks of life. I mean, some of them are teachers and some of them are ex-military and some of them are engineers and hairstylists and, it's it's really fascinating to me. That's I think one of the neat things about the hobby is that it brings people of all walks of life in, and you see that a lot in that question and what designers did before or sometimes still while they're doing game design. Yeah, isn't that fantastic? It's, there's just uh, there's just something great about our industry in that it um, it's it embraces the the sort of misfit jack of all trade kind of people in this <laughs> in this world. There's a lot of people out there like us who have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I like, like I have uh, a little bit of creativity and a little bit of analytical side to me. And I never really fit in fully um, until I found hair design where, you know, I was able to, I mean, I love people. I love communicating. I'm fascinated by people. And so being able to talk to people all day long and at the same time, you know, nurture them and, 
learn how to pace yourself, and, um, the, the geometry of cutting hair, all of it, and the creativity involved, all of it like really, uh, really did well for me. Um, but I, I still lacked, um, I think that I was always missing the, the analytical side, I think, you know. So that's where I think I, I, I was always tinkering around on the side with games and stuff. I guess for my whole life, I've been tinkering around with games. But. Now, you mentioned working, you know, uh, Plat Hat is owned by uh, Asmodai now. Yeah, um, uh, we are uh, a studio um, under the Asmodee North America umbrella. What is your favorite game to play by uh, just in the overall company to play that's not yours? Um, that's not mine. Yes. Um, I, well, geez, I like, uh, I like Starship Samurai quite a bit. That was won by my, um, by one of my coworkers. Super fun. Yeah. It, we've, we've talked about that a good bit. It gets my vote for like coolest freaking miniatures ever. (laughs) (laughs) Just that box art. I was like, wow, I just want to buy it based on that without reading anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, This. (laughs) I think Roy, you played that at Dice Tower Con, didn't you? I did, yes. Yeah. The funny thing about Asmodee um, is that it is big. Big. Like, I'm always surprised about the games that I didn't even know that were part of the Asmodee. I mean, everybody knows Fantasy Flight games and stuff. um, But, like, the greater Asmodee company is, is enormous. I found out that that game Conan, which I've been kind of interested in, but I've never purchased it. That game Conan, I found out, was owned by Asmodee. I was like, what? Which means that I get a, <laughs> an employee discount on it. So I'm like, hey. <laughs> so when the, the, the news came out that, that uh, they were being sold, we uh, we had our own little little rumors about, like, well, who is buying Asmodee? So it's uh, we thought for sure that Disney was going to pick them up. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, there's not that many names big enough, really. <laughs> and you know, Asmodee I think has a pretty good relationship with Disney too. So, oh yeah, with the, the with the Star uh, Wars license. Yeah, yeah. FFG. Mm-hmm. So you could get theme park tickets and an employee discount. <laughs> Happen. <laughs> Maybe I have to check. We get now all kinds, with, all kinds of cool stuff from by working for them. Now, where are, do you actually like work in their? Uh, do you do you kind of? do a remote work thing or do you uh, actually go into like uh, a building, you know, with their logo or, or whatever on it? Uh, we have a little, um, uh, Plat Hat Game Studios here in Dallas, Texas. It's, um, it's, we have our own little warehouse and, um, and several offices. We have a couple of graphic designers. We have, uh, our marketing gal. We got our studio manager. We have, um, one developer and, and an art director. So we have a nice little office full of people here. That's cool. Or, uh, did you guys have a presence at uh, Board Game Geek Con? Uh, no. I don't, think we, I don't think we have had a presence there. I think that any of us that actually attend that do it uh, just for the enjoyment of it. I don't, know, I don't know of it as being like a big marketing uh, thing. All of, our, all of our presence at conventions comes out of our marketing budget so i'm not exactly sure that they view that as a marketing thing um more of a mixer industry mixer of some kind so what does your typical work day look like um i come in uh usually about 8 30 and i work until lunchtime and then uh 
sometimes I go home for lunch. I only live two miles from my job, and then okay. I work the rest of the afternoon and get off at like five-ish. So is that, uh, what are you doing during the day? Is it uh, you're kind of playtesting, writing? Yeah, uh, well, it just depends upon where I'm at in a project. For about, okay. the, past, for about the past eight months or nine months, I've been every day writing. So I just sit and I write. Mm-hmm. And I write and I write and I write. And when I'm writing, uh, I'm writing fiction and little rules. So I, I should probably be more uh, more exacting about what I do. Like I'll spend a portion of my day. I'll do like an hour or two of art direction where I need to send off information to my artists so that they know how things are supposed to look. Mm-hmm. So I design and then I get to a point where I'm like, OK, now I know what this environment needs to look like. And so then I, I go about doing the art direction. Sometimes I so, go home at night, and I'll spend three or four hours at night. Sometimes I'm up till 1 or 2 a.m. working on stuff. I wow. usually put, I, I work about seven days a week on stuff just because that's just the way I am. So this is development for the, the, the next adventure book game? Yes. Uh, they're, okay. they're an enormous amount of work. Okay. Because um, there'll be, there's, there's a story that has to be written, and, mm-hmm. um, and that story has to, you know, in addition to you know having having every element that a story needs to have, it, um, it also has to be broken down into bite-sized chunks so that it fits on these pages of the adventure book. And then those all have to be able to be gamified. So you can't really have action that's just a bunch of people sitting around a table talking. It has to be action-oriented. So what you do, what I do with my story is I try to think about the things that will cause action and that where you can have a little bit of you can learn the characters uh, while they're while you're watching them deal with these challenges and stuff, um, and then um, you don't really need to you don't need to add in all that other stuff that you would get in a by reading a book or a novel because it's just not important to the gameplay. Hmm. All right, and it is a weird way to write a story where you're just writing the action, uh, and then the action tells the story, and then whatever the players put into it with the way that they play out the action. Is it like a storyboarding process where like each particular storyboard is a different separate adventure or maybe two or three uh, storyboards make up uh, a particular mission? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Like um, basically what I do is I chunk out the mission. So I know that every page is going to take 15 minutes of gameplay time. So, you know, if I want a game session to be 90 minutes, then that's going to be X amount of pages and give or take, you know, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, um I'm okay with having, you know, an adventure uh, go longer than 90 minutes. Um, I'm okay with having them go shorter than 90 minutes um, as long as I feel like they accomplish what I need to accomplish. And then in those missions, I have to break it up into these even chunks where, like, this is the beginning of the mission, and this is the this is where this happens, and this is where that happens, and this this is how the game how that mission comes to its own little uh, climax, right? Mm-hmm. So. You use a, a typical uh, uh, classic literature rise and fall. That rise and fall has to be done in each individual mission or chapter, whatever you want to call it. And then that same rise and fall has to also happen in the entire overarching plot. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so. Although the, the rise and fall in the overarching plot doesn't really have a long um data ma, I guess, or what they, whatever you call that. It doesn't have a long tail on the end of it um, because, you know, you'll usually have some big final 
final conflict that has to be resolved. And then once that's resolved, then you have the, the happy uh, flowery moment of uh, finishing the big story. Well, like in uh, stuffed fables, the denouement is kind of uh, wrapped up in the in the text at the end, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's not stuff- really any gameplay in that aspect of it. No. That, okay. Well, you are fighting. You are fighting at the very end of Stuff Fables, and then you finish the, that battle. Um, and however that battle turns out, will lead you to uh, the final ending of, of of Stuff Fables, and then you'll read that ending and um, find out how everything turns out. Now, you mentioned earlier that you uh, you liked miniatures. You you painted miniatures. Do you play any miniature games? Oh, uh, just heck like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so like right now, I'm really into Gaslands. Have you guys played Gaslands? No, but I've got a bunch of friends talking about it. I'm, I think we're going to play it sometime this year because everybody's talking. For whatever reason, everybody's talking about it all of a sudden. Oh, I'll, which, I'll explain it, the reason. Like, <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever because what you do is you buy the little fifteen dollar book or whatever it is, yeah, and maybe buy some uh, some dice off of Etsy or whatever, and then you get Hot Wheels and you could get them. It's super cheap. You could get them. You might even have some. I mean, I had a, I have a son, so I just raided his toy box for for Hot Wheels, and then you, you make them look like Mad Max. You paint them. You make them look like Mad Max, and then you play the game. It's just super fun. But the game itself is, it it has this uh, quality of like hitting those little dopamine responses, you know. <laughs> Because there's a little bit of this push your luck kind of element to it, and every time you take your turn, you're like, okay, can I, can I roll these dice, and how many dice am I going to roll, and am I going to get the skid that I need so I can make this, you know, hairpin turn? Which template am I going to choose? You know, if I choose this template, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on increasing my risk, and you, you, you have to go fast in order to, to compete, and the faster you go, the more dangerous it is. So, it's really fun. And it's really, really beer and pretzel too. So yeah, yeah, I've heard good things about it. So I'm definitely gonna have to play that one this year. It's an addiction. I have way too many. <laughs> now. But if it's an addiction, it's a cheap one because, like you said, the oh. book is cheap, and you get two dollar Hot Wheels and whatever. It's brilliant. I would, I you know, I would love to design a game, and this probably won't happen while I'm under Asmodee because why? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to design a game where you just use your own stuff. And you have like a set of rules and you just use your own stuff and you play that game and a game that really sort of fosters that creativity. Cause every time you play Gaslands with a new person, their cars are completely different than you would expect. So it's like everybody's cars are like totally unique. Everybody has a thumbprint. Their cars are like completely unique. And that's really cool. There's a game called brick mech, which is basically it's, it's a mecha combat with, with Legos. Legos. <laughs> yeah. Does it does it do anything to foster that creativity like Gaslands does? Yeah, you can you can mod up the different various torsos however you want, and then like if you uh, if you blow off uh, an arm off of uh, some other mech, you can pick it up and strap it onto your mech. And... <laughs> oh my gosh, that so, is so cool! I bet people who love Legos and love uh, and love games, you know, love that game. So I love that sort of thing. And right now, like my favorite new miniature game that I have right now is called Wildlands. Have you guys played Wildlands? I haven't I heard of that one. No. I it's it's one I expected my friend to pick up because he he was like a uh, huge fan of Martin Wallace and a huge fan of anthropomorphic owls. 
And uh, he was just like, eh, I just, yeah, no, he didn't pick it up. So <laughs> that one's a blast. It looks awesome to me, though. It's a total blast. And it's one of those where you, once you learn how to play the game, you don't really have, you don't really have to go back and re- read the rules again because it's fairly straightforward. It's, he took a minimalistic approach to game design on it, which I absolutely love. Um, but yeah, I mean, we play that around here a lot. It's a big hit. Just absolutely love it. I always play the gnomes. Martin Wallace. I'm trying to think yeah, of... Uh, oh, it's a designer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my friend Chris is like a huge, huge Martin Wallace fan. I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't own every single Martin Wallace uh, <laughs> uh, uh, board game. But yeah, he uh, did this one through Osprey Publishing. Uh-huh. Of which I thought was weird. I don't really think of them with like board games. Um, I think of them, you know, as I know they've gotten into like rule books and stuff, but uh, you know, but they did a like um, they did a submarine game. Uh, they come unseen, and I think one other one. So they haven't done a lot of them, but yeah, I was surprised that they published this game. You and might it, to me, it, it looks awesome. Yeah, you might keep your eye on them. I think that they might be changing. They uh, they really have some good stuff coming out. Um, the, uh, the 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 new Ranger um, game that they have coming out, Rangers of the Dark Forest or whatever. I can't remember the name of it, but that's not it's uh, not Rangers of Shadow Deep. Yeah, Rangers of Shadow Deep. Uh, that one is. I don't know if they'll actually if they will publish it. The guy that did uh, Frostgrave, yes, uh, wrote that book, uh-huh. and I actually ordered a copy of that off of uh, Drive Through RPG, and I had. To, that's the only way I, I got. It was like for thirty dollars, you get a printed copy and a PDF. Oh, maybe that one didn't and, come uh, from Osprey then. Yeah, I just I, assumed I so because it was the same guy there. that did uh, Frostgrave, which was Osprey. Right, right, and it's just, yeah, it looks so super cool. I, it's on its way, and I cannot wait to get it to the table. It's it's kind of like um, Frostgrave, except, like, you're just, like, four guys. You're, like, a crack commando team going behind, you know, enemy lines in, in a it. fantasy world to rescue a hostage or, you know, sabotage something. It's just really cool. Using whatever miniatures you want, you know, like, right. if you're like me, you have a massive miniature supply. I mean, I have miniatures. I have way too many, dudes. I have way too many. <laughs> it's he who dies with the most wins. Oh, so, yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Boxes and boxes. I have, I, I mean, sometimes I'll go through my stuff. And I'm like, oh, I love this miniature. And I hadn't seen it in like two years. I'm like, oh, I love this one. <laughs> I can't get rid of them. I would love to be, no. I'd love to have a game that just allowed me to like, just play all those miniatures. Now, would you say uh, Wildlands is kind of like a dungeon crawl, sort of? Oh, no. No, it's it's more like, um, it's kind of like, do you ever play Wiz, Wiz War? No. Okay. I know what you're talking about, but I've never played it. It's uh, Wildlands is basically, you. Uh, I, th- I believe it's only a four-player or less, uh, a two-to-four-player game. But you, you, each of you has a faction of, of dudes, and they're all different. And then you have a deck of cards that basically runs everything you can do with your faction. And you start the game, and nobody is on the board. And you're all competing against each other. And nobody's on the board. And you have secretly, you have secretly uh, used cards to determine where each of your little dudes is going to pop up when, when it's your turn. And 
your opponents have placed all of your crystals that you that you need to collect when you play. So you're fighting each other and you're trying to collect crystals, your own crystals. Um, and you play to five points. Whoever is the first to get to five points wins the game. You gain a point by either knocking out an enemy figure or collecting one of your own crystals. Everybody's like hidden at the beginning of the game. At the beginning of each of your turns, if you have any characters that are hidden, you have to bring at least one character into play wherever you pre-program that character to, to come out at. And so you don't know where your opponents are, and then you, and you have your guys popping out and surprising your opponents and ambushing them and stuff like that. But it's really super simple, uh, uh, icon-driven card play that really kind of controls your, what your little dudes can do, and that's it. I mean, you just run around shooting each other or fighting each other and collecting your crystals and trying to get be the first to get to five. Hmm. Yeah, that does sound a lot like Wiz War. So yes, okay. it's a lot like Wiz War, which you know just it's it's different, but um, it's Wiz War is a little bit um, like almost a little too unwieldy and too zany. This game is very tight and very focused. Yeah, and the the minis are in it are fantastic. There's an yeah. anthropomorphic owl. Yes, there yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty cool. <laughs> All he's right, wise. He's like one of the. There's um, only like two figures in the game that can fly. He's one of the two that can fly. Well, uh, what else? What other um, miniature games do you play? Oh, let's see here. Um, off the top of my head, Dungeon Command. Dungeon Command. Um, I play all kinds of dungeon crawlers. I'm like a huge fan of dungeon crawlers. Really? Do you? Uh, I, I am too. Do you like Imperial Assault? Have you played that one? I have played it. Uh, I, I own it. I played it a couple of times. Yeah. Because when I first got Stuffed Fables out, uh-huh. that was the game that it brought to mind. And and I, after playing both of them, they're they're not obviously the same game. But when I first opened it up, that's what I thought is this is kind of like Imperial Assault, but I can play it with my nine year old, which she can play Imperial Assault too. But obviously <laughs> different theme and everything. But that's what it first reminded me of. Yeah, I like Imperial Assault. I love those uh, fantasy flight games. Um, I have, I mean, I have Descent. I have Imperial Assault. I also um, have all of the um, Dungeons and Dragons board games, both old and new. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of Hero Quest from back in the old days. Oh yeah. Um, trying to think, I have I have so I have so many. It's um, I love all the zo- I love all the zombie side stuff. I mean, I love uh, you know anything that's simple, um, anything that's beer and pretzels. Um, it's right up my alley. Do you do any like? Um tabletop uh stuff like warhammer or a historical like flames of war or anything like that not anymore i mean i did 40k back in golly what was that 1994 five maybe um i was big into it i sold all my stuff um not too long ago i had uh, believe it or not i had a uh, they don't exist anymore but i had a squat uh 40k army yeah, yeah. Uh, the Space Dwarves. I had an entire squat army, which also included 30 dwarves on motorcycles <laughs> nice. and trikes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's old that's cool. school stuff. I have the new um, Warhammer Quest Blackstone Fortress. Ooh, me too, me too. Yes, I have not gotten into the table yet, but boy, it is beautiful. It looks it, fun. It does. It, it looks fantastic. I um I actually ended up with 1.5 copies of it. Oh wow! 
because uh, on the internet, people are buying up, buying them up, and flipping them for the miniatures. Because the miniatures are just amazing, and that's the only place you can get them. And you can actually use them in your games of 40k. Yep. So uh, people, nobody wants like the act, the rest of the board game. <laughs> so I, I got everything but the miniatures, which I mean, all the tiles, extra, all the rule books, dice, you name it, all that stuff for like twenty bucks. Oh my gosh! And so I have one and a half copies of the game. That's what I should have I done because have... I have enough miniatures. I could have like fleshed everything out. I guess. Now I this guy, looks like uh, Gloomhaven. Uh, yes, it is a sci-fi dungeon crawler. You usually don't get a lot of those, uh, I, I would say. And it's 40K themed, so the, you know, and the miniatures look really good, and I figure, you know, it, it is going to be supported. They've already announced one, uh, ex- expansion for it, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited. I waited until I, after Christmas, because mm. I, I, I had hoped I would get gift certificates or whatever <laughs> for Christmas, and uh, yeah, that helped me. I'm all in on that one. I love it. Um, the, of course, I haven't played it yet, but I, everything I've read, I mean, I've read through the rule books and everything. One thing that I really love about it, and uh, for you guys that aren't familiar with it, um, it's really cool. So you know how, like, in like an adventure game or a dungeon crawler or something where you have your, you have your town where you can go and you buy stuff at the town or whatever? Well, they kind of do that concept in this, but they've done it in a really cool and clever way. Every character, every player basically has their own spaceship. And then you all dock your spaceships at the at the space dock. Right. And your spaceship functions as like a little uh, like a little vendor where everybody's spaceship kind of brings its own little stuff that you can interact with to the to the table and stuff. So it's I just think that's really, really cool and clever that they did that. And it only has 15 pages worth of rules, and then another, an, adi- an additional 15 pages of combat rules, and so basically just 30. And so, yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. I just haven't. Um, I've been so nose down on my current game right now. Uh, getting to this phase of it is uh, is is the biggest um, hurdle. So once you have uh, you're ready to go to print, what's the time between printing and then release? Like, is that are we talking like a month, two months? Oh well, if you have miniatures, it's different than if you don't have miniatures. Um, okay, miniatures will slow things down. What we try to do is uh, we try to get the sculpts um, all done and have that all planned before, well, well in advance, and then we send those off so that we can stay ahead of the curve on that. So are those already being produced then? Mine, yes. They're already being produced right now for for this game. And um, Uh so, I mean, there's also a queue because you can't just just say right off the top of your head that, oh, this game's going to take three months to print because um, it has to go in the queue. And then not only the manufacturer queue, but um, also the company that, that I work for also has their own ideas of which are going to go in what order they have budgets they have to stick to and uh, mm-hmm. cash flow, um, you know, issues and stuff. So, um, for what, from what I see, it usually takes about, um, from the time that it gets, from the time that I'm done with my part, um, it's usually about eight months until the game's hitting store shelves. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was done with Comanauts back in May. And so, I mean, it's actually longer than eight months, maybe almost. Well, somewhere around there. Now you've got an odd game on your 
uh, Board Game Geek resume I wanted to ask about. Um, how did you get involved with Battleship Galaxies? Oh, uh, Battleship Galaxies, um, that uh, that was, happened back when um, that I was involved with the Hasbro. And the way that Battleship Galaxies happened is that they were going to come out with a Battleship movie, right? And they decided that they are going to do, it was going to be a, a science fiction movie. They're going to take battleships out into space. And, and then they were going to have, obviously, the game would match the movie. And I've so, seen this anime. <laughs> yeah, you've seen uh, Battleship Yamato? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> uh, they all, you know, there's a live action version of that, by the way. Yeah, it's good, too. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, so anyways, they, um, it, it, it was very, very much a lot like Battleship Yamato. Um, which may be why they changed it to the the actual movie that was released. But, um, anyways, they the 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 guy that uh, created HeroScape, Craig Van Ness, he created the uh, mechanics for the Battleship Galaxies, and they were really cool. And um, and then we uh, we were uh, partial designers and uh, content developers for that. So uh, I did several of the factions for that. And we had a whole bunch of several waves of releases that we were going to do to support it. But because the because the movie changed and development was so far along in Battleship Galaxies, but the movie changed and there there wasn't any sort of matching between the movie and the game anymore. Um, it sort of uh, put a kink in our plans, I guess, when it comes to Battleship Galaxies. And so I think they released it so that they could um, so that they could maintain some sort of uh, creative licensing control over over the idea and then um, I mean that's that's about it I know mm-hmm. a ton of people that bought it strictly for the miniatures just strictly for the miniatures it's, it's a fun yeah. game it's a fun game to play um, but yeah the miniatures are beautiful and they're mounted on these little ball and sockets which is where I got my idea for tail feathers um, they're mounted on these little ball and sockets. I was I was always a little bit disappointed that they didn't do anything. It was just I, we didn't even know that they're going to be mounted on those ball and sockets like that. It had to have cost extra for them to have them mounted so deluxe like that. And then you get the game and you're like, well, why didn't they do anything with this feature? This is a gamified. You could gamify this feature. So that's what I did with tail feathers. So it's just for posing, then. Just for yeah. posing. Just just for looks. They spent wow. that extra sure. money just so that you could like you know pose them if you want. Uh-huh. And tail feathers. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys, have, if, if any of you guys have played tail feathers, but uh, you, you basically to indicate which direction your bird's going to fly, you have to tilt it uh, one way or another, and mm-hmm. that sort of telegraphs to your uh, opponent where which way you might be flying, and so you pre-program how you're going to how you're going to maneuver your birds, and then that's that's basically how how that works. Now right. let's talk about that one for a, a little bit. That's kind of like your your redheaded stepchild, the 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 game you did that doesn't get as much love as the rest of them. This got its own little devout fan base of people who, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, I wish that. Um, I mean, I designed a bunch of stuff for it that was never released. I wish I wish that I was able to do that because it's a fun it's a fun one. It I was totally sold with it with the just the miniatures alone and it was such a cool idea i have it and you know this yeah this interview has inspired me i'm gonna get this to the table <laughs> very soon um maybe over the uh the coming 
holiday weekend. I get it, get it done. Uh, I can do it and my mystics at the same time. Uh, but how did you end up developing this? Well, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to create a game in the my mystics universe that wasn't a cooperative game. Um, and I had never, I had never designed from, you know, my own competitive game. And so I, uh, I had this idea about these birds and I, I had this idea about, uh, you know, a flight path system where you where you, the birds, the, the direction they were tilting would have an impact on which direction you flew and stuff. So I had the idea and everything and I wanted to blend it with my mystics and I wanted to have it be in basically 28 millimeter scale. And I wanted to have it be uh, mixed between ground combat and air combat. I wanted to have that that variety there that, or that blending of the two. It was it was it was a tough one. Um, just getting it to all work out, but I'm super proud of it. I mean, it's really, it's really fun. It's really beautiful to look at when you're playing with all the birds flying around and the trees and everything. Um, and you know, you can, when you're playing the game, you're, you got little troops that are fighting on the trees. They're floating on leaves. They're doing little ground missions. Um, you got the birds flying around having dog fights. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I actually watched the uh, the trailer for Tail Feathers. I was seeing the uh, the mechanics of floating on the leaf with the uh, you have the like a stylus or something that you goes into the hole of the leaf and you it, it's a twig. Uh, okay, it's it a twig rotates that you around. Use, it's your your twig that is used as a measuring device in the game. Yeah. Okay. And and then there's a little there's two little holes in the leaf and you stick the end of the twig in there and you can you can rotate the leaves and that's how you move from tree to tree. Um, yeah, that was cool. By taking a drifting leaf. Yeah, it's just just fun, silly, thematic stuff. I just love the anthropomorphic mice. And that, see, now I want to, I'm going to get those miniatures, I'm going to paint them, and I'm going to play them in burrows and badgers, <laughs> you know. So, along with my Mice and Mystics figures. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have a whole mouse, my, a, a whole Mises faction. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait. I mean, uh, if, you know, when I do more Mice and Mystics, um, we'll have the benefit of digital technology for all the sculpts so i'm sure that they're going to look even better mm -hmm. those those were all done by my buddy uh, chad hoverter and those were all done in the traditional sculpting method with clay and um but now he's all full digital and really his skills have just gone through the roof so it'll be amazing you just have to wait for the movie <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I did forget that uh, that that was mentioned that they were doing a uh, a mice and mystics. I thought it was was it a movie or a TV show? Uh, it's supposed to be a movie, but I mean, if it ends up being a TV show, that's fine too. That who has the who has the rights to that one? Who um I can't remember what company it was. DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they could do a good job with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I I, I hope it all works out. Um, but you know, if it does. Great, I'll be making some more Mice and Mystics games. If it doesn't, uh, great, I'll be making some more Mice and Mystics games. <laughs> <laughs> so either way. Was there uh, any uh, particular new game, that uh, new board game or miniature game that you were really excited to play? Um, well, I, as you can tell, like I'm excited about Blackstone Fortress, but I haven't even had a chance to get it to the table yet. So right. I got a little bit of a... That counts, I, that counts. I got a little bit of a backlog. But yeah, I think... My next big mission is to get Blackstone Fortress to the table, so that's probably the one that I would that's on my mind right now the most. And of course, getting Gaslands to the table again as soon as possible. Absolutely, yeah. Buy more, buy more Hot Wheels. They're only a dollar. <laughs> I primarily like dungeon crawl games. 
Uh, I do as well. I found a pretty good Facebook group uh, that's like the Dungeon Crawl or uh, Dun- Dungeon Crawl Adventure uh, game yeah. group, and I, I I found some that I did not know about that I uh, really dug. Now, one I got to the table about a week ago was called Dungeon Degenerates. <laughs> Have you ever heard of this one? I, I got that for Christmas, um, but I haven't played it yet. It, it's it's really fun, but yeah, we we've talked we talked about it for two or three episodes, and when it went on sale at Christmas, I bought it. I mean, it's just based on the art style alone is what caused me to pick it up, you know, because there's really nothing else like that. Yeah. And uh, in playing it, uh, my friend and I were like, you know, this is amazing that this guy has never done a board game before. This is like his first board game, and it's it's done this well. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, just the art just the art style alone and how the theme matches the art style and everything in such a weird and interesting way. To me, it was like, okay, I just have to own that. <laughs> First and foremost. That's, exa- that's exactly what I said. Trying to work my way through the rule book has not been that easy for me. I just, I think maybe it's the, the just the neon eye bleeding color and <laughs> density yeah. of like how everything <laughs> is organized on the pages and, like there's, I can't even figure out like from the examples in the book, and this isn't a complaint by the way, um, but I can't even figure out from the examples in the book, like how these territories work. Like some are connected by roads, some are connected by pathways and some are adjacent to each other. And they show the examples in the rule book. I can't tell. <laughs> yes. I, I know can't exactly tell the what difference. You're talking about. <laughs> oh my God. I know exactly what you're talking about. We figured that we it took us like a good like 10, 15 minutes. We're like, well, it says like, you know, the the roads have like a chartreuse or whatever, you know, pattern on the side. <laughs> and like the the paths don't have that. And we, we had to look and like, well, what is this one? And what is that one? And, you know, the worst okay, part yeah. is like trying Just to figure out what's get... adjacent to something else. I'm like, well, you know, the skull pile is adjacent to the dung heap. I'm like, well. How do you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. I'll have wait, to get my eyes get adjusted to, the, to it. Yeah, uh, so you have to figure out like, uh, well, which one of these is outside and which one is a metaphysical location? Yeah, and it's like, what? Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I'll get it worked anyway. out. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, wow, we've been talking for a good hour, and uh, you've told us all kinds of things about. The, what you're doing, what you did, what you like, and stuff, and yeah, it's been great. Is there anything else that like we we need to know going forward? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> what would a publicist want you to say right now? Um, we got a whole bunch of games coming out this year. There are some really solid titles that I can't talk about. I can talk about. I have a little. <laughs> I I have a little card game coming out this spring. That's gonna ha- it's gonna share a theme with my uh, with my big adventure book game coming out later on this year. So oh. we'll, you'll be able to kind of see where uh, my, what my setting is that I'm working working in. The little card game was not designed by me. It was designed by Andrea Mezzatero, who also did um, Crystal Crystal Clans for us. Have you guys played Crystal Clans? It's a, like, I have not. No, I've seen it. Me neither. But, no. Yeah. It's a, you know, faction-based two-player head-to-head dueling card game kind of thing, um, which is just this really interesting take that he has on on design, which we love so much. But uh, he made this, like, really, really, really simple uh, sort of filler game for three to five players, but it's a territorial battle game that you play with cards, just cards. There's no dice or anything. 
Um, and it's just, you know, real simple, real plays, real fast, um, real satisfying and just uh, easy to teach and fun. And you'll get it to the table a bunch of times. Um, and it's going to be called Battlelands. It's com- coming out um, this spring sometime. Uh, so that's my next little thing. And um, we got uh, a bunch of stuff coming out around Gen Con, which is going to be great. We have a big uh, we have a big Euro game coming out this year. We also have um, a really, really, really interesting, fun um, family game coming out. So keep your eye on uh, Plathead Games. We've got a bunch of cool stuff coming out this year. And um, we have a new marketing manager named Nikki. And um, she can be contacted, uh, Nikki, at plathatgames.com. So um, she might be listening to this right now. She goes, all right, good. <laughs> N-I- Just like I told him to. N-I-K-I, Nikki at plathatgames.com. <laughs> so if you want to set up any uh, podcasts with any of our designers or, or anybody here, um, you can just go through Nikki, and she'll get all those set up for you and everything. So you'll have a point of contact here. that, uh, And I think I gave her... I think I gave her um, your contact, so that'll be that'll 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 be good to have that connection there. So yeah, she'll listen to our recent any of our other shows and go like, "Golly, this guy cannot pronounce anything. <laughs> what, why can he? Why does he not get? Why does he keep getting confused with Stegmeier and Stonemeyer? I don't understand." That's my personal mission now is to throw out names and words that you can't pronounce, Adam. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the last one was or. Orenthologist, yeah, the orenthologist. Yeah, 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 I'm terrible. So, terrible, terrible, terrible. Jerry, what are your uh, um, your con attendance plans? Your personal con attendance plans for the coming year? You're oh, going to Gen Con. Uh, yeah, I'll be at Gen Con. Um, okay. I will be at probably at Essen, probably at BGG Con. Mm-hmm. Probably not at PAX because it lands right on my anniversary and that's not good <laughs> for my <laughs> marriage. <laughs> is your is your wife a gamer? No. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, she'll play, you know, she'll play King of Tokyo and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I uh, taught her Strike the other day. She really likes Strike. You guys like Strike? I don't I've never heard of that. It's oh. the one where you're tossing the dice into the bowl. <laughs> is, no. It's an old, it's an old game um, that was out of print. It was a German game that was out of print for a long time, and then it just became in vogue again, like last year. And then oh. it was like impossible to find. Um, mm-hmm. But I got a, I got one off of eBay from Germany, and we played that. You just toss some dice into a bowl, and it's awesome. Um, <laughs> All right, just tossing the dice in there, just throwing them in, trying to get them to hit each other and stuff. It's awesome. Oh. All right, um, but yeah, she just she's not into she's not into games no. at all. So so you said yes. Essen, you're not going to PAX, Gen Con. Yeah, probably um, go to PAX U, even though I highly recommend it. It's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I just if I get if I get the chance to go, I probably won't go because I'll I'll stick to my uh, try to keep my marriage happy. Yeah, sure. That's important. Yeah. It's also my daughter's birthday. She was born on our on our one year wedding anniversary, our first anniversary, and so every year our anniversaries get shared with my uh, <laughs> daughter. No. So, my wife always feels you know like second class citizen to my daughter's birthday and stuff. So. Oh no. <laughs> so both of them are mad at me this year for being a PAXU. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They understood. 
because I pulled that whole work thing, you know. Daddy's got to go to work. Not, the, <laughs> not my choice, honey. Not my choice. <laughs> You're hanging out with your friends, aren't you? <laughs> so yeah, that's about it. BGG. You guys ever go to BGG Con? I did the one in Dallas yeah. last year, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that that that's been about it. Yeah, I'll be at that. I don't do. It was an eye-opening experience for me. Um, it yeah, it was. It, I wouldn't say it was the largest con I had been to because I you know I've been to I was at Gen Con for the fiftieth, mm-hmm. but um, it was very crowded. It was it was a lot of people in a small space. Yeah, it was and really busy it, this year. At, um, they're they're going to have it in a new place next year, I think. So that'll be cool. But yeah, big, Gen Con's a big one for me for for mm-hmm. Black Hat Games. It's our always our biggest convention of the year. Okay, it's definitely an experience. <laughs> I hope to make it back one day. It it was fascinating to me. And yeah, it, anything that you could it takes two days to get through the dealer room, yeah. That's right up my alley. <laughs> it's a yeah. I mean I this this year was my thirteenth time going, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah okay. it, years fly by after a while. Well Jerry, I really appreciate you taking out the time and to talk to us and um Comonauts it Comonauts. How do how do you say it, Roy? Comanots. Comanots. Yeah, Comanots. That's the new one. Yep. The new game. Like, I love like how you're asking Roy when Jerry's the still on the line with us. Well, no, uh, Roy said it was his mission to make sure to <laughs> oh, yeah. you to pronounce things. So, yeah, that's why I ask. <laughs> yeah. So that's the that's the new one, and of course, there's all I I am completely inspired to get Mice and Mystics and Tail Feathers to the table this month, and um. Just keep listening to the show, you guys, and you'll find out if I did that or not. <laughs> I'm going to try really, really hard because those figures are cool, and I want to use them in other games too. So, Awesome. But thank you so much, Jerry, for uh, talking to us and for, you know, I just messaged you out of the blue on Twitter because you can do that. You know, strangers can just approach you, and, you know, and you were like, um, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, no. I, and that was very nice. Yeah, I think I, I thought it was great. I really appreciate um, you, you know, giving me the platform to talk about my stuff. That's no problem. And you know what? I mean, uh, the people who do to provide all of this uh, board game media content and stuff like that, you guys are really the unsung heroes in the industry. Because without people interfacing with you guys, they probably wouldn't know about the stuff that we do and why we do it. So I think it's pretty cool. Well, we are the we just like talking about games. (laughs) Yeah. If people just like to listen to us, you know, ramble on, I do hope they discover things, you know, with, you know, like, oh, wow, I didn't know about that. What is that? Let me look that up. I certainly yeah. have. Uh, me too. You know, you had, I've, yeah, I had no idea. And it causes me to go out and buy things or interview <laughs> people. Or I, one thing I will do is uh, if I hear about a game and I have a lot of questions about it, I'll actually try to interview somebody at the company. Like, here, answer my questions on the air. That way, everybody can, <laughs> you know benefit from it sure so, you know i like doing that sure i think there's a lot of they're, they're, i think it was a couple of these guys that uh turned me on to stuff fables all right well thank oh. you <laughs> oh yeah thank you very much yeah we start yeah we started that uh when first coming out we were like oh my gosh flat hat games is coming out with this this game look how weird it is you know <laughs> and it's like oh man look at these miniatures yep. this is awesome you know i'm gonna be a teddy bear and i'm gonna fight monsters this is fantastic <laughs> Awesome. Thank you very much, well, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you later about more stuff. Cool. That'd be great. Good night, right. you guys. Thank you. Well, good, good night. night. Good night. Have a good, good night. night.